Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, December 31st, 2023, we continue our series titled Knowing Jesus, the Gospel of Luke. Today's sermon, Life's Highest Priority, will be taught to us by Pastor Ed Lutz out of Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Enjoy. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to have a little participation show of hands. Here's my, here's my question. Are you a, a gift person? or an experienced person? Would you rather get a gift that you could open or receive something that's an experience that you go do? How many are gift people? Really? Man, I spent way too much money this year. <laughs> how many are experienced people? Look at that. Well, that's how I am too, I think. As I get older, you don't need anything anymore, right? And you realize, what's the most important thing? People. So spending time with people, whether it's around a dinner table, going to an event. Uh, We just celebrated a milestone birthday in our household, one of those decade birthdays. And we had 17 people crammed around our table. Had the little kid table off to the side. It was an incredible time. It was so much fun. But you know what is a little bit challenging about some of those experiences? And I'll I'll be honest, it's the preparation. You have people over to your home this holiday season that they come for Christmas, and you think, oh, I can't wait to have people in my home. But then you remember, oh, no, they're coming today. I got to get ready. So what do you do? You you sweep the floor, you dust the furniture, you clean the windows, you, you do whatever you need to do. And at some point, halfway through your preparations, you're thinking, is this really worth having people over to do all this work? I mean, I love these people coming over, but I'm done, man. <laughs> well, I think we all have that. And, and I don't know about in your household, but when those preparations kick in and time is running short and people are almost at the door, we, we get a little bit of family tension. You know, my wife and I will get a little bit snippy with each other, and, and it's just kind of what happens. And and, uh, what we're going to see in the Gospel of Luke today in chapter 10 is we have somebody coming for dinner. There's a guest coming, and you got a couple sisters in this text, and there's some family tension. There's a lot of work to get ready, and that person who is coming is Jesus Christ. Now, I know we had our family over, and we took a lot of time to get ready, but imagine if Jesus Christ was coming to your house. You found out that day he's on his way. You'd probably be cleaning like crazy to get everything just right because you want to honor the person of Jesus. Well, that's what happens in our text this morning, and and things get a little bit testy, a little bit testy, but Jesus does a wonderful job as he speaks into that issue and focuses on what's really important. See, it's all about experiencing him. And so let's look at Luke chapter 10, verse 38. I'll just read. Again, this is a familiar, let me encourage you as we jump in. This is a familiar text. Matter of fact, I, I, I referenced this text a few months ago in one of the messages that we had here at the church. And if you've been in church for a long time, you're gonna say, okay, I know this, I know this story. Can I encourage you to just kind of open your heart, be teachable, Don't allow the fact that you know the story to be a hindrance to being open for what God wants to say to you today. Will you do that? Let's look at verse 38. 
Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And he had a sister called, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. And here's the, the conflict here. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion, which, which will not be taken away from her. If you look on your outline today, or on your app, the point is this, is that distractions with the practical affairs of life can lure us away from a wholehearted devotion to Jesus Christ. And you're going to see in this text, this is a really good thing that Martha is doing. She is doing a wonderful thing, showing hospitality to Jesus. But even in that, she misses the intimacy that she could have just by being in his presence. So let's look at verse 38. Let's break this down a little bit, can we? Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. We know from John chapter 11 that this village is Bethany. And Jesus is on his way. Where is he on his way? He and his disciples are on their way to the city of Jerusalem. If you go to chapter 9, verse 51, it says that it's time for Jesus to set his face toward Jerusalem. This whole last month, we've been talking about the birth of Jesus Christ, that Jesus came and he took on flesh. See, Jesus came to be the savior of the world. But the ultimate reason that he came is to give us eternal life. And the way that that would happen is he would have to give his. He would have to give his life, shed his blood for our sins. And it's that time. He's been preaching, if looking at Israel, you know, the northern part, he's been ministering in the regions around Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, all the towns, towns and, and villages there. Now he's made his way south towards the city of Jerusalem. And Bethany is over here in the southeast corner. There's a Mount of Olives right over here. And Bethany's about two miles away from Jerusalem. So now he's going to be teaching around Jerusalem, making his way towards the city because he's preparing to go to the cross. And we see there's a woman named Martha, and she welcomed him into her house. We know Martha loves Jesus Christ. The Gospels reference her in a couple different places. But it's interesting. She has a sister, Mary. Martha is mentioned first. So most people will, will say she's probably the older of the two sisters. There's no mention of a husband. Perhaps she's a widow at this point. We're not sure. But she welcomed Jesus into her home. Got to ask the question, is Jesus Christ welcome in your home? And you're going to say, well, of course he is. I mean, come on, I just spent a whole month putting up decorations. I got a manger, on my, um, a manger set on my, my, my mantle. I've got lights around my house. I decorated the Christmas tree and I've got Jesus ornaments. I came to church celebrated, of course Jesus is welcome. I celebrated him the entire month. And that's what we do, but 
How about the other 364 days a year? Do you spend time with the Lord? Do you talk about Jesus with your kids, with your spouse? Do you make him known? Do your neighbors know that you know Jesus Christ? Is Jesus welcome in your house? He is in Martha's home. Look at verse 39. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Disciples at this time, this is a place where where they would often sit at the foot of the rabbi. So his rabbis would sit and teach. Their students would would be there at their feet. But it wasn't common. First century Judaism, he didn't have women as students of rabbis. He said, here is Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. And it says that she listened to his teaching. You know what's wonderful about that word? Is the, the, the use of that word, the verb tense of that word, says that she, it's a progressive, continual action. She is hanging on every single word that's coming out of his mouth. She is riveted to what Jesus is saying. She can't, she can't pull herself away. Nothing is gonna steal her away from Jesus. But Martha was distracted. Why is she distracted? There's a lot of work to do. She's distracted with much serving. Now, we had people at our home. We had some guests in our home over Christmas. The birthday dinner we had, we had 17 people there. Guess what happened? We prepped the meal. We had everybody there, had an incredible meal, wonderful fellowship, conversation. What do you do after dinner? You clear the dishes. You take them over to the sink. You pile them on the counter. And you don't want to leave them there till morning. Do you guys do this? So you start doing the dishes. Start doing the dishes, trying to get them out of the way. Hopefully somebody comes and helps you. But all of a sudden I looked up and people are gone. Where'd they go? Well, everybody else is either in the living room, they're outside on the patio. And I got distracted. My wife got distracted. My daughter-in-law got distracted. We're doing all this work and we're missing the opportunity to continue the fellowship. And that's what's going on here. You know what the word distracted means? You ever see one of those inflatable figures at a car dealership and they're just kind of doing this thing? It literally means wheel around. So she's like (laughs) doing that thing. There's just so much that she's got her hands into. She's so distracted. But she's doing a wonderful thing, isn't she? What is she doing? She's showing hospitality to Jesus Christ. And can I tell right off the bat, hospitality is a wonderful thing. If you look at 1 Timothy 3, it's, it's actually a trait of godly character. 1 Peter says this, 1 Peter 4.9 says that we are to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Whoops. <laughs> she did pretty good on that first part, right? But we're called to do it. It's a command. It's a trait of godly character. So she's doing a wonderful thing, and that's the first point. We are distracted by many good things. If you're looking to fill in your outline, there are a lot of wonderful things that we do for Jesus Christ, but even those good things can be a distraction. Here's the conflict. Verse 40. Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him 
And, and you got to catch this. This is pretty bold. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? Tell her then to help me. Do you not care? We know the obvious answer is what? Yes, he does. This is Jesus. He loves, that's who he is, that's what he does. Of course he cares. He loves these sisters and he loves Martha. But as a sibling who seems to be doing all the work, and by the way, that's not even true because if you look at that, what does it say about Martha? Martha left, I mean, Mary left Martha. At one point, Mary was helping. Did you see that? At the preparation, she was there doing whatever she needed to do, but then when Jesus started teaching, Mary goes off and sits at the feet of Jesus. But it's not like Mary's been slacking the whole time. She was doing some work. But this is typical sibling squabbling, isn't it? It's not fair. <laughs> Lord, this is not fair. Don't you care what's going on here? Have you heard that? You got grandkids? You got children? Do you remember that? Everything's about fair. <laughs> it's like we put everything on a scale. Hey, he got ice cream. I didn't get ice cream. How come he got that present? I didn't get that present. You, gave, you let him stay up till 9 o'clock. Why can't I stay up till 9 o'clock? And it's almost like in our minds as children, everything's got to balance out, doesn't it? Everything's got to even the scales. We're all about fair. As I've gotten older, I realize I'll, I'll take fair because you know what fair means? Fair means quiet. At some point, just look, just give them what they want. Just keep them quiet. <laughs> you ever do that? It's not about fair. It's about being quiet. I, I cave in. But that's what we do. We squabble. We squabble over things. My wife and I had a, well, actually it was me. We had a little bit of spat over, over the Christmas break. We're preparing our, our one bedroom, have guests moving in. And that's where I have my desk and I have a couple books, not a lot. But I got to put my junk somewhere. So I gather up all my books and I walk into my wife's office because she works from home. She's got a nice big desk, office. Where are you going? <laughs> Can I put my stuff in here? No, this is my office. And I'm thinking, well, where's my space? You got space. I don't have space. <laughs> I got to sit outside. I got to sit at the And at one point, we started just laughing because it was such a silly argument. But that's what we do, right? We, we continue to squabble. We continue to fight over fairness. Fairness. Some of us might have this experience serving in the local church. Can I step on a couple toes or hit some sore spots here? Some of us might look around and we can say, man, how come I'm the only one doing all this work? I served at Christmas time. I showed up early. Other people showed up late. Or after everybody left, I'm the only one who had to help tear down and clean up. Where'd everybody go? How come I'm on cleanup crew? Or... I've been serving in this ministry for, for 10 years. We can't get anybody. Where's everybody at? That's not fair. 
And you see what we do? We, we make serving about the Lord, serving the Lord all about us. We start off when we're doing it for Jesus Christ, but at some point we begin to look inward, don't we? And it's subtle, but it's a subtle form of self-righteousness. Let me read you something. This is uh, from Paul David Tripp. He's an author. He writes some devotionals. He says these words. I tend to do everything as fast as I can. Now there is nothing evil about being project-oriented, about doing things, but on any given day, the tendency is for me to be more functionally committed to my purposes than to those of Jesus Christ. And in the midst of the drivenness of the day, I love this phrase, I become a God amnesiac. Isn't that beautiful? In the midst of doing my work for the Lord, I forget all about the Lord. And somehow it becomes all about me and I wonder if there's even a part of us that wants to get that recognition. And when it doesn't happen, we think, Lord, don't you see? Don't you care? Of course he does. Of course he does. Hmm. Quite a rebuke. She comes up to Jesus Christ. Lord, don't you care about me? Pretty bold thing to say to Jesus Christ, don't you think? And then look what she says after that. Tell her then to help me. She doesn't even give Jesus a chance to answer. Lord, don't you care? Well, I know you do. Therefore, tell her to help me. It's like she reads his mind. I know what you're thinking. You're obviously going to agree with me, Jesus. Therefore, tell her to help me. Wow. Jesus says in verse 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, says it twice, sign of intensified emotion. There's deep intimacy here. Dear Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled. The word anxious means you, you've got all these thoughts converging at one time. And there's so many things flooding your mind that you're trying to fix. It's just, and it's all at the same time. You're just so worried about everything. And he says that you are troubled. That's the word upset. Tells you there must be something about the tone and the voice, how she said it. Martha, you are getting a little bit upset here. You're troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away. Our second point of the outline is this. See, Martha was distracted by many good things, but it's an intimate devotion to Jesus Christ that's the best thing. Oh, you got the word intimate. That's a scary word, especially for us guys, right? The best thing is an intimate, intimate devotion to Jesus Christ. See, Mary is showing us our highest priority in life is knowing and loving Jesus Christ. Here's Martha, Luke chapter 12. Jesus says these words. It's almost like he, he was, I wonder if he was thinking of her example when he, when he said these words in Luke chapter 12. 
Do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, but your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom. Don't be worried about food and drink. God's got it covered. Seek the kingdom of God. Can I have you turn to Revelation chapter 2? It's an easy book to find. It's at the end of your Bible. Revelation chapter 2. Jesus is, is speaking to a series of seven churches near the end of time here. In chapter 2, we come to the church of Ephesus. Wonderful church, doing incredible things, standing firm, doing a lot of good works, but they're distracted. Look what he says in chapter 2, starting in verse 2. Says to the church of Ephesus, this again, this is Jesus speaking. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance. Look at those. You're working hard. You're enduring. And how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. They know their doctrine. Standing up to false teachers. Verse 3, and I know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. You're doing a lot of really good things. Ephesus, verse 4, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Do you see that? Even in the midst of serving the Lord, we fall into this duty Mindset, And we start serving the Lord and doing things in the church out of duty instead of out of devotion for Jesus Christ. And we start going through the motions, maybe even the time that we spend with the Lord in our daily walk. Well, I'm checking off my quiet time. Got to make sure I do 30 or 30 quiet times in a month or God will be disappointed. And we, we have these checklists of our spirituality and it becomes a thing. It becomes a task instead of a pure love for Jesus Christ. And if you're doing things by going through the motions and you're doing it out of devotion, I mean out of duty instead of devotion, Jesus is saying, don't, don't lose your first love. Martha had lost sight of that. She seems like she's serving out of duty and lost sight of the love for Jesus Christ. You know what that is? That's a, that's a performance trap. Do you ever get into that? Are you performance-driven? You do things for people? And we can fall into that mindset for, for God where we start to perform for him. One Advent devotional I read said this, there are only two ways of living, and this is really good. Man, I got convicted when I read this. There are only two ways of living. You're either confessing that you were created by God to be dependent upon his wisdom and power and grace, or you're believing that you have within yourself everything you need to live on your own. We, we may believe in Jesus, but are we depending on Jesus on a daily basis? Or are we just kind of flushing it, going on our own? To believe in yourself, you have to convince yourself that you are more wise, strong, and righteous than you actually are or ever will be. And what we do is we start comparing ourselves to other people. And these horizontal comparisons can lead to self-righteousness. That's what we see here with Martha. Lord, don't you see everything that I am doing? 
tell my sister to help me. And Jesus says, she's doing the good portion. Obviously, what does that mean? This is a meal. So maybe he's just saying, well, look, (laughs) Jesus said in John chapter 6, I'm the bread of life. I'm all you need. The food that Mary is, is receiving are the words that I speak. So the portion could be simply a metaphor of the meal, and Jesus is the true sustenance, right? We, we, we fill our stomachs with a lot of empty calories, right? You get these longings and these hunger pains, and we, we start to just eat junk, and that'll satisfy those cravings. Well, after a while, you start to feel empty again, and we can go through the motions and, and start to serve and do things out of duty instead of a love for Jesus Christ. The true nourishment comes through an intimate walk with Jesus Christ. But I think the word portion probably is this. It's inheritance. It's an inheritance. We have inherited a relationship with Jesus Christ. And at some point, we're going to be in heaven and all that he has prepared for us, it's going to be ours and we're going to enjoy that. Look what David says in Psalm 73. It says, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He is all I need. Isn't that beautiful? Psalm 27 says, One thing I ask of the Lord, one thing that I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever and gaze upon his beauty. Do you see that? It's all about just being enraptured with the person of Jesus Christ. He is my portion, He is my inheritance, He is my highest priority. Martha missed it. Mary got it. One more passage of Scripture. Turn to the right to the book of Colossians. Let's look at who Jesus is. This is incredible. Colossians chapter 1. Who is it that Mary is listening to and Martha is missing out on? Colossians chapter 1. Paul writes this about Jesus Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. God in the flesh. The firstborn of all creation. For, check this out. For by him all things were created. He's the creator. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And then verse 18 is the kicker. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. He is preeminent in all things. He is the highest priority. This is who is in Martha's house. The preeminent one. God in the flesh. Jesus Christ. He is the one with whom we can have relationship. Do we have that relationship with Jesus? Let's close it up. A couple questions for application. We already asked the first one, but is Jesus Christ welcome in your home? More than just a holiday? 
Do you have a daily encounter with Jesus Christ? Is he welcome in your home? Some of you are com- might be here coming off of, of Christmas and you're thinking, well, I've, I've heard about Jesus, but I don't really know that I know him. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. The month of December, we learned about Jesus Christ coming in a manger as a baby. But that baby grew up to become a man and live a sinless life. And ultimately, the reason that Jesus came is that he would live a sinless life and then pay for our sins on the cross by dying on the cross and shedding his blood. See, he shed his blood. He took our punishment so we wouldn't have to. And when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we become a child of God. And we don't have to worry about anything. You see, because three days later, Jesus Christ came back to life. And because Jesus Christ conquered death, we know that those who believe in Jesus Christ will live forever someday as well. He is the preeminent one. Today can be the day that you trust Christ as your Savior. Second question. What are you distracted by, Christian? Are you distracted by good things? I mean, we know we shouldn't be distracted by the bad things, but do you find yourself kind of in a performance mode when it comes to serving Jesus Christ and serving the church? And, and do we have this mindset, man, I've been doing this forever and nobody seems to care? God cares. God sees. Now, we need to get better as believers in Christ of encouraging one another and building each other up, but ultimately, if we're serving the church out of self-righteousness and focusing on the things that we are doing instead of why we're doing it and for whom we're doing it, then we fall prey like Martha. We're distracted by many good things, but we're missing out on the most important thing, and that's Jesus. Here's our challenge. Don't miss it. Don't miss sitting at the feet of Jesus. You know, we we introduced this last year and we're rolling it out again this year with some new things, but we have a a Highlands Church Bible reading plan called Get in the Word. Get in the Word. Where every morning at 5 a.m., at least that's what I've heard. I'm not up that early, but supposedly it comes to your inbox or your phone at 5 a.m. and it's a chapter in in the Bible and you can read it Join an online community. There are four reflective questions. Get in the Word. You can't be a growing Christian without a steady intake of the Word of God. You can't be a godly person without being in the Word of God. You can't neglect the Scripture and expect Jesus to transform your life. The most important spiritual discipline we can possibly do is not serving. It's being in the Word of God having that intake of God's word, changing us from the inside out. If you have yet to subscribe to Get in the Word, we encourage you to go online and and do that. There's no substitute for being in God's word. Let me give you a formula. Prayer plus God's word plus time equals intimacy. Got to have them all. Prayer Plus God's word, now you gotta make the time. Put those together, that's how you grow an intimate walk with Jesus Christ. Well, we have an opportunity right now to, to experience that intimacy with, with Jesus in a personal way. We are gonna celebrate communion. 
And so if you have a communion cup in front of you, probably in the seat back, you grabbed one when you came in, go ahead and take that out. If you do not have one of these, can you just put your hand up? We have some people in the back who would love to get that. Jesus Christ came to earth to give his life that we could have life. It's a relationship that he longs for. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you know him as your Lord and Savior, you've trusted him for your your salvation, this is for us. You may be sitting here and thinking, well, I don't know. If you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, you can do that even right now. And this could be your first act as a believer. In the quietness of your heart, you just confess your sin. Recognize that Jesus came to forgive you. He shed his blood. He took your penalty for sin. See, there is a separation between God and man. And Jesus came to close that gap. And when we seek the forgiveness of our sins and place our trust in what Jesus did on the cross, believing that three days later he came back from the grave, the Bible says that we become children of God. If you've never done that, I would just gracefully request that you just uh, not partake. Come down afterwards. If you have questions about who Jesus is, and you want to kind of get a fuller understanding of this, what it means to follow him, I'd love to have that conversation with you. We have a whole team of people in the back. Every week, that sign is lit up. If you want to know what it means to follow Jesus Christ, let's have a conversation today. But for those who have trusted in the Lord, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 11. For I have received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, to you that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took the bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and he said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me and in the same way he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You see, we do this to remember the price that he paid and the fact that he's coming again. Let's take the cup. Father, thank you for this text. Thank you for the person of Jesus Christ that he would take the time to go into homes, to share a meal together, and to give you a word. So often, Father, we take advantage in the wrong way of our relationship with you. We go through the motions. We fall into this performance track. We, we get into doing so many things that we miss out on the best thing. Father, forgive us. Help us to be people who serve 
out of devotion to Jesus Christ, not out of duty or guilt. Father, we want to be people who are growing daily in our love and our intimacy with you. For those of us who have wandered from your word, call us back. And as we look at this new year that's coming, may this be the year that we commit the time to be in prayer, to open up your book, and to make time for your word. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you ingest those words just now? That's a serious commitment, isn't it? It's not about duty. It's not about doing. It's about surrender. Will you make room for Jesus Christ? Is Jesus invited into your home? Is Jesus invited into your heart? May this be the year that we surrender and give him everything. You just sang it. I hope you meant it. If you have questions about Jesus Christ or if you have uh, some prayer concerns or needs, you know, our, our, our care team is down front. We would love nothing more than just to meet you and just love you and pray with you. And if you want to know what it means to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, please come talk to us in the back. We would, that would be our privilege. We love you guys. You know, Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, the church that he loved very much, and he said these words, and now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide upon each of you this new year. I added that. <laughs> I pray that you know him. I hope that you love him. I'm excited to see what God is going to do in our church and in your life this year. God bless you. Love somebody today, will you? Happy New Year.